you want to open your Bibles to Philippians 4, I'm going to read starting in verse 4, and that's, we're just going to read that one verse. Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. So let's just start by kind of a opening it up here. Just see if you can think of any other joy verses that come to your mind right off the top of your head. Verses about joy. Just feel free to say them out. Say that again. James, yep, James 1. I'll just read that here. James 1, that's one of the ones I thought of as well. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. James 1, that was 2 through 4. Any others that just come to your mind? Yeah, I think that might be John 15, or is it Luke 15? Luke 15, I think. But yeah, more joy in heaven when one sinner, or there's joy in heaven when one sinner repents. There was one more. First Peter 1, 1.8, And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. I might read that whole section just for, since we're, so the people can hear it who are online. First uh, Peter 1, I'll read, I'm going to read 5 through 9 here, um, kind of picking up in the middle. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That just might say this in case, just for the kids, you know, the word rejoice has the word joy in there. And so when you, we think about rejoicing, what we're talking about is having joy. And that is clear here in that in that particular passage. It talks about rejoicing with joy. So any others? You can. Th- That's really good. Psalm 16. Um, I hadn't thought of that one. In thy presence is fullness of joy. That's good. Rejoice always. Very similar to First Thessalonians. It very similar here to Philippians four. Yep. Matthew thirteen. Um, let's see. See if I can remember that one. I don't, that wasn't one I thought of. That's a really good one. That the kingdom of heaven is like a man who went into a field and found a treasure, and in his joy he sold all he had to buy the field. That's good. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and 
Galatians, yep, fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. Joyful heart is good medicine. That's good. Okay. Well, there's a lot of verses on joy and rejoicing. And some of them are commands. Some of them are descriptions. This particular verse in Philippians 4.4 is a command. And it's a plural command. So it's not just sometimes when we think about it, at least for me, I think about immediately me. And take it as a first person singular, I am supposed to rejoice as my individual Christian self, just because that's our culture, I think, American individualism. But we um, we see and we have seen in Philippians that a lot of these and most of these commands are plural, so it's really talking to all of us. We're all as a body. We're supposed to be rejoicing together. We're supposed to be rejoicing always. But it's a command here that we ought to rejoice, which is different. We uh, tend to think of joy as something that kind of happens to us, not as something we are commanded, do this. It Just to kind of emphasize that, you might just think how strange it would be if somebody rebuked you, right? If you were not joyful and they said, listen, I need to talk to you. I've got something, you're not following the commands of Scripture. It says rejoice always, and you're not doing that, and you need to repent. That's different, right? It's because we think about it so differently than that. You would almost feel like, what? what? Um, I can't help it. That would be almost be my knee-jerk reaction. But the reality is here it's a command. And so uh, let's just think for a second together about the context here, the context of where we've come in Philippians and who this is written to. Paul's writing from prison. That's different. He's sitting in prison. He talks about, in chapter 1, others are trying to afflict him. There's some rivalry. And in preaching, professing Christians in preaching are are trying to afflict him. And that's not a good situation when there's real rivalry among Christians. Paul lets them know that he might die. He might not, but he might die. He even talks about preferring to die. He's probably, we talked about how hard a Roman prison was, and he may be on house arrest, or he may, he may be in prison. We, we don't know exactly what his situation was there. Different times it was different, but certainly he said he would rather depart and be with the Lord. And he was hard-pressed between the two, between wanting to stay and wanting to die and go and be with the Lord. And who is he writing to? He's writing to the Philippians. He seems to suggest that there's some persecution there. He says that there are opponents that are frightening them. And he says, don't, let, don't be afraid. That's a scary situation. Uh, in general, that's not a command I feel like I, we have to give here. When your opponents come to you, uh, don't be scared of them. Um, in general, we're not being threatened with jail or, or with our life here in, in, in the U.S., but it seems like that was probably the case with the Philippians and in the first century. The Philippians, the person they sent to help Paul, almost died, and Paul let them know that and that he was coming back. There's false teaching 
And he confronts that. There's people that have lost the gospel and are going around teaching a false gospel about circumcision. Paul talks about that. There's enemies of the cross whose end is destruction. He just got done saying that, that that he's told them with tears uh, in chapter 3. And then there's division in the church. And we just talked about that last week. Yodia and Syntyche are divided. And there's some sort of disagreement that's big enough that has to be addressed in this letter by name. So we see the context is difficulty. A lot of difficulty on both sides, the writer and those being written to. The context is trial. And I want you to think about when do we need to hear the command to rejoice in the Lord most? Is it when everything is going well? In general, it seems to be that it's in trial when we need to hear this. Not that we don't need to hear it at all times, but specifically, it comes up in the context of trial. Just think about those verses. Many of those verses that you thought of were similar to the ones I thought of. And what surprised me about looking through the New Testament and joy, and specifically the joy commands, they're in the context of trial, almost all of them. First Peter specifically said, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by trials. And he talks about joy there. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that's inexpressible. The context there of trials. James, again, count all joy, my brothers, when? When you face trials of various kinds. We don't know what the exact situation was, but we know that James was written to the Jews that had been dispersed. He says that. That could have been a lot of different things. It could have been the Jews dispersed, Jews that are Christians dispersed before Stephen's death. They're just living abroad. It could have been Jews dispersed after Stephen's death. It could even be potentially uh, Jews that dispersed from Rome. All the Jews were kicked out of Rome in 49 AD by Claudius. And so we don't know exactly what dispersion there were, but there was a lot of dispersions of the Jews where Jews were scattered and they could have been different times. All those are possibilities, but it's this situation is definitely trials and difficulty. When you lose your home and you're, you're kicked out and, and you leave, that's a hard situation. One other verse that we didn't, that didn't come up, but it's very similar to James's in Romans five, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And through him we have obtained an access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that our suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Again, trials. Rejoice, he says specifically, in sufferings, in our sufferings, knowing what suffering produces. So why is this important? Well, if you are coming in today and the last verse that you wanted to hear was this verse, Rejoice in the Lord. 
and you immediately thought, you don't know what I've been through this week or this year or this month. This has been an exceedingly difficult season. This has gone on with our family or my job, our home, our kids. This is what's going on in my heart and my life, and I just can't even hardly think about this verse right now. I'm just so, it's just been so hard. Then this is exactly the verse for you. Because that's the context that Paul's writing into and that the New Testament is speaking into. At the time when you feel the least like rejoicing, you need to remember, rejoice in the Lord, always. That's who this is written for. And so the people that feel the least like rejoicing, that's who this is for. This is for you. And as hard as, as it is, even just to think about it, you need to. You need to remember, rejoice in the Lord. This is the time. In the, in the difficulties, always rejoice in the Lord. So let's just, this is the first point I want to make here, is that at times of trial, we need to hear the command to rejoice in the Lord. And that in that trial, that that might be the time that you need it most. And it seems like from the New Testament that's the case. You need to hear the command to rejoice most in that time of trial and difficulty. That's the time when you feel the least like rejoicing. And it's the time when you need to hear it the most. Let's The second thing that I want to point out here is this. And this is actually a quote here from... Well, this isn't. Sorry. Joy, this is the second point. Joy does not mean the absence of sorrow. Joy does not mean the absence of sorrow. Joy in this life is always mixed with sorrow. Sorrowful yet always rejoicing, Paul says. This con- the context of this verse is different than sometimes it's made out to be. I-, I read one quote that said, Paul's the happiest person in Rome. That's what this, ver- this book's about. Paul's the happiest person in Rome, and he's, he's in prison. That kind of gives the wrong feel, I think. That kind of overlooks where he says he actually wants to die, right? He says, I would rather die and depart. That doesn't sound to me like probably the happiest person in Rome. Is Paul joyful? Yes, he's rejoicing a lot in this. But does that mean there's not sorrow? He just got done talking about how he's filled with tears over these people who are enemies of the cross and their end is destruction. Right? So he's been weeping over people he knows are lost. So he's definitely got some sorrow here. He's not necessarily the quote-unquote happiest person in Rome. But he does have joy in the Lord. And that's different. Joy does not mean the absence of sorrow. Joy does not mean the absence of sorrow. Another way that we could think about this, I saw this chart, which is got an okay idea. It kind of gives an oversimplified feel, but I'll just kind of describe it to you. So the chart says that if we have our heart's desire being pleasing to God, and then there's an arrow, then our behavior is going to be obedient, and then there's an arrow, and the result, joy, blessedness, and peace. So if you obey, if you have a right desire to please God, you're going to obey, and you're going to be filled with joy and peace. 
Is that true? Absolutely. On the other hand, it's oversimplified, isn't it? That we can't always say, if you're not filled with joy or you're filled with sorrow and joy, that you're struggling today, we can't say, well, that's just because you've got the wrong desire or you're not obedient. Just think about Jeremiah. Think about Job, right? It was just the opposite for Job. What was the sorrow that filled Job's life due to? Obedience, right? God said, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one like him on the earth. And so is that true? Yes. But there probably needs to be a gap in there. And and we put in, in between obedience and peace and joy, this life. And sorrow and difficulty. And eventually, we'll have that unhindered joy with the Lord in heaven and in the new earth. But for now, there's difficulty and there's sorrow mixed in. There's always going to be sorrow mixed in with our joy here in this life. I'll give you a couple of verses on that. Ecclesiastes 1.18 says, For in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. As we grow and we learn more and you, you realize more about what's going on in the world, your sorrow increases. It really does. I, mean, I like to read history and learn about... I like specifically, you know, like U.S. history and things like that. But it is so sad <laughs> and almost makes you feel like, man, the more I learn, the sadder I get about World War One, about World War Two, about the presidents, reading biographies. It's just hard and sad. And the more you know as you grow and you get older and you realize what kind of things are going on here in Kirksville and in the world and have gone on, there's a lot of sorrow involved with that. Does that mean we can't be joyful? No. Sorrow, joy is not the absence of sorrow. We can have joy mixed with sorrow. Ecclesiastes 12.1 says, Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, quote, I have no pleasure in them. Well, in Ecclesiastes he says, When you get older, you're going to have less pleasure in your days. And he goes on to talk about the servants tremble, your hands start trembling, and and your teeth fall out, and and you can't sleep well. You know, in getting old, there's less joy in life. You can't taste food like you once did. You can't hear what people are saying like you once did. That's hard. There's some sorrow mixed in with the decay. Our outer man is wasting away. That's true, isn't it? But our in, our inner self is being renewed day by day. There's a mixture in this life of sorrow and joy. And joy does not mean the absence of sorrow. Uh, Another verse here, 2 Corinthians says, For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, and the things that are unseen are eternal. There's difficulty. It's not saying Christian life is all good, all joy, all peace. There's no difficulty, no sorrow. It's saying there's a mixture. You've got this momentary affliction, and yet at the same time, you're looking ahead. You're looking to the unseen things. You're looking ahead. You're looking to being with the Lord. And so we can summarize it from a a quote from Elizabeth Elliot. 
And she says this, Joy is not the absence of suffering, but the presence of God. Joy is not the absence of suffering, but the presence of God. That's very similar to what the verse Cheryl shared from Psalm 16. In your presence there's fullness of joy. And a lot of times when we, if we remove this verse, Philippians 4.4, rejoice always. Again, I say it, rejoice. From the context, we kind of lose that context of suffering and difficulty. That this is a verse that's built into the context, suffering. There's difficulty. He's in prison. He's writing to people who, who are suffering persecution and difficulty. And he's telling them to rejoice. So we have to see that, that rejoicing and joy in the Lord is not the absence of suffering. It's God's with us in our suffering. That we still have God. We, we've got the Lord. We know him. We've been forgiven. He's our joy. And that joy in this life is going to be mixed with suffering. Kind of reminds me. I don't, I don't know how. It's a good example, but I, don't, I kind of hate to pick on anyone. But I guess I will. Um, just take it with a grain of salt. Um, the, uh, the Christian radio, a lot of times in the morning, I turn it on, morning Christian radio, it's very, very lighthearted. Very, a lot of laughter, a lot of very light talking, um, not serious. You know, just this week I was, I was driving and they were saying something about, basically, in this survey about best Thanksgiving dishes, Idaho did not have mashed potatoes, you know, on the list or something like that. It's like very light, very lighthearted. You know, how could the potato state not have mashed potatoes? Which is, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But that's not Christian joy, right? Christian joy is not this, I'm always happy, I'm always smiling, I'm always lighthearted, I've always got some, you know, very light, non-touchy subject to talk about and we can all just kind of smile. That's not Christian joy, right? That's not Job, right? That's not the book of Job. That's not the book of Lamentation. That's not the book of Habakkuk. That, those books are a deep, deep suffering and sorrow mixed with knowing the Lord is near and the the Lord has got me. Even though the fig tree does not blossom, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. You give and you've taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Totally different. Totally um, deeper, right? Not 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 the same. And and the reason I say that is not to say there's anything wrong with the, the Christian radio necessarily. We just don't want to get a picture of joy that is not biblical, right? And this particular verse and the whole Bible in general gives us a deeper, more mixed with suffering joy than sometimes I get, I get from other places. And we don't want that. We don't want a picture of joy that is, for some people, maybe unattainable. You know, That personality-wise, some people naturally smile. And some people, their face naturally doesn't look as happy. And that's okay. But Christian joy isn't always kind of a chuckle and a laugh. And, you know, if that's your personality, I'm not saying that's wrong. But, but we've got to see that joy, the rejoicing it's talking about, is mixed with suffering. I'll say that quote again from Elizabeth Elliot, that joy is not the absence of suffering, but it's the the presence of the Lord.
That's what we're looking for. Rejoicing in the Lord always. What else can we say here? The third thing I want to I want you to know notice is that this is a little bit reading into the New Testament. It's not as much in this verse, but even at his worst, the Christian's joy is deeper than the lost man's. Even on your worst day, the Christian's joy is deeper than the lost man's. I'll read you a couple of verses from about this. Psalm 4, 7, and 8 says, You've put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. And that's in the context, again, of trial. He didn't write, this isn't one of the Psalms where it's all positive. This is one of the Psalms where he's writing out of a difficult situation. And, is, and in the end, he's saying, yes, it's, I have difficulty, but I'm trusting the Lord and my joy, even in my difficulty, is greater than the lost person's when their grain and their wine abound, when they get everything their hearts desires. My joy is deeper, even in trial. I have more joy. Why is that? Well, one of the reasons is Jesus is better. Isn't Jesus better than grain and wine? You've got the choice. You get all your heart desires in this world, or you get Jesus. Which one do you want? We all, as Christians, say, I want Jesus. If, I'm, if that means I don't get these worldly things, that's okay. Because the joy that I get in Jesus is deeper than the joy that I get in, in an absence of suffering. When things are all going right, Jesus is better. Wouldn't the, the devil would love to give us that trade, wouldn't he? Hey, I'll give you all that your heart's desire is just give up Jesus. That's what he did to Judas. Here, take these worldly things and just give up Jesus. But as Christians, we know that's not, that's not enough. We don't want that. That the joy that we have in God is better than the joy we get from anything the world has to offer. David again, for a day in your courts, actually, no, I don't think this is David's Psalms again, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. I'd rather be the lowest of the low in heaven with the Lord in his courts than a thousand days elsewhere. Because he's better. God is better. The good things that we have as Christians can't be taken away. Not only are they better, they can't be taken. Your grain and your wine abound, and that could turn around. Today, tomorrow, your joy is in Jesus, that you know him, that you love him, that you've been forgiven by him, that you're his child, and that can never be taken, ever. It's always going to be there. It's totally stable. It's a joy that begins and will never be taken. Not only that, it grows over time. This is Psalm 97. Light is sown for the righteous and joy for the upright in heart. It's like a seed. The joy we have is like a seed that's being planted. The joy we have right now is just a seed of the joy we're going to have. It's better, it's already better than the world has all the world has to offer, and yet it's not in full bloom yet. We're not there yet. Think about the sorrow that comes just even from our own sin in our lives. 
It's real. And it's painful. And you know what? The joy that we have in the Lord is just a seed sown. One day it's going to fully blossom and that is going to be gone. That form of sorrow is going to be no more because we're going to be perfected. We're not going to sin anymore and cause sorrow for those around us and to ourselves because we're going to be with the Lord. We're going to be like Him. We're going to see Him as He is. I mean, think about that. We're going to see Him as He is. We know that all the joy we have in Jesus and and in the Father and in the Spirit right now is just a seed, isn't it? So not only is Jesus better than all the world has to offer, not only can it not be taken, it's it's only going to increase. We've got a lot to look forward to. And here we are, aren't we? We're still here. We're in we're on this world, on this earth. There's sin around us, there's suffering around us, suffering in our lives, but we've got Jesus, and we can rejoice in him always. We can rejoice in him always. One more thing. This is the last point here. That kind of I've been speaking to the person who came in today and the last thing they wanted to hear about was rejoicing in the Lord because you're struggling, you have difficulty, you have a seriously difficult situation going on and you don't, this is, it wouldn't be the topic that you wanted to talk about today. But there are other people here who maybe that's not the case. Maybe things are going well for you right now. So what, how are we going to handle that? Well, this verse is also for you. Even if you're not going through a difficult time, we still need to rejoice in the Lord. You know, just that quote again, joy is not the absence of suffering, it's the presence of God, presence of the Lord. We need to practice finding our joy not in circumstances or ease or comfort or lack of suffering in the times where it's going well, and rejoice, remember to rejoice in the Lord. We want to prepare in the light what we want to lean on in the dark. And so if we're living our life when things are going well and we're taking a lot of joy in the good circumstances, things are going good with our kids, things are going good with our job, and we're not intentionally rejoicing in the Lord, rejoicing in the Lord, then suddenly when some of that gets stripped away, it's going to be harder because we haven't been practicing in the light when things are going well, when it gets dark, when God doesn't feel as near, when God... Uh, feels distant to you, if you haven't been practicing rejoicing in Him when it's all going well, it's going to be hard because you're not only going to be in the dark, you're going to be trying to change your, um, change your habits, change your mindset all at once. It's a lot to take in. We need to prepare in the light what we want to lean on in the dark. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. Today things are going so good. My kids had a good attitude. We didn't have to discipline you know, we got to bed at a normal time. and But you know what? I'm going to rejoice in Jesus. I'm going to thank Jesus for that. But remember, the main thing is that I've got Jesus. I, I know him. He, He's with me. We can tell our kids the, the best news that anyone could tell their kids, which is that God loves them and is wanting a relationship with them, that he made a way for their sins to be forgiven. That's good news. We can rejoice in that on the good days because when the dark days come, we've been practicing and we know it's in Jesus that my joy is found. It's very similar to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 8, 
God says to the people of Israel as they're coming into the promised land, he says, Take care, lest you forget the Lord your God, by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. He says, our hearts are tempted when things get good to forget. And we don't want to. Rejoice in the Lord always means when it's good. And when it's not good, all the time we want to remember our joy is found in Jesus. Our joy is found in Jesus. Aren't you thankful? This is just kind of a conclusion here. Aren't you thankful that we don't have a Bible that is similar to Christian radio. I mean, think if it always went well for people in the Bible and that, and it said, you know, Job laughed and it didn't seem to bother him. I mean, what, what could we do? I mean, at least for me, I just put the book down and be like, there's no hope. <laughs> no hope for me. That's not my response to, to difficulty. I don't even know how to live that out. What about Jeremiah? The weeping prophet. Things went hard for Jeremiah. Very difficult. And yet, he had the Lord. I'm thankful that this verse is in Philippians, where we know Paul's in prison, where we know things are going difficult. For the Philippians, things aren't going well. They're not... He didn't write this to a church that where everything was going good. He wrote this to a church where things are difficult. And it's a season of difficulty. There's division with Yodi and Syntyche. There's some persecution. And so, it's for us, isn't it? Imperfect as we are, this verse is still for us. It's especially for us. We need to rejoice in the Lord. Let's encourage one another. Let's as your wife or your spouse or your friends or your family goes through something difficult, remind one another. Remember, you don't feel like rejoicing in the Lord. I'm sure you don't. And I understand that. That's the way I feel too when things go hard. But remember, this is a time when you need to do it. Rejoice always. Remember remember Paul in prison. Remember Job in the when he had ashes and sackcloth on. The times when you don't feel like coming to church because things are so hard. That's the time when you need to come and you need to sing and you need to say, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord, just like he said. Remember John Newton's hymn. Lord, why is this, I trembling cried, will thou pursue thy worm to death? In this way, the Lord replied, I answer prayer for grace and faith. These inward trials I employ from self and pride to set thee free and break thy schemes of earthly joy that thou mayst seek thy all in me. That thou may find my all in me, I think. Maybe what God's doing in our life. Rejoicing in the Lord. It's hard, but find your joy in Him. These difficult things may just be stripping some of that joy you'd been finding in circumstances. 
Let's pray for one another. Let's help one another. Let's remind one another. Let's remind ourselves. We may need to just say, we may need to just say to ourselves, listen, you know, at least for me, I asked Jess this week, I said, Jess, well, just just rebuke me. Just try and just start rebuking me for not having joy. And it just, it just doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel right, you know? And we both kind of laughed, like, that's, that doesn't, I don't think that's going to work. And we talked about, sometimes we need to hear it from ourselves and just say, listen, soul, rejoice in the Lord. You're not, you're down, you're discouraged, but you know what? You've got Jesus. He loves you. The Father loves you. You're a child that can't be taken from you. It might be what we need. Just gently and lovingly rebuke rebuke ourselves. This isn't, this isn't right. You've got so much to be thankful for. Don't forget. Don't forget. Don't cease to rejoice. Rejoice always. At least for me, I don't know that I could. When I'm really down, it's very hard to hear things like that. But the Lord gave us His Spirit and He'll help us. Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful for this verse. We're thankful for the Bible. We are, even want to say, we're thankful for the trials you've put us through. We know they're for our good to grow us and help us. Thank you for... Thank you for pulling away some of the things where we are finding our, our joy, our earthly joy. Help us more and more to find our joy in you. Help us to be good husbands and wives and parents and friends to one another. Would you help us just in our own thought life and talking to ourselves? Would you help us to rejoice in you always? We are thankful. We do want to say thank you, Lord, for who you are and what you've done and all that you've given us that can't be taken. Would you help us as we go through this difficult, the most difficult season of our life with you here on earth with all the suffering around us, in our own hearts, in the world? Help us to rejoice in you. We want to be lights in a dark place we need help would you help us to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice we need help in it we do pray I pray for if there's difficult things going on would you please help in the difficulty to rejoice in you help people to rejoice in you and people who are Things are going well. I pray you'd help them to set a pattern of rejoicing in you before things get hard. We love you, Lord. We need you. Thank you for grace and forgiveness and help. We ask it in your name. Amen.